Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's up, people? It's been a minute since I've had a pod with someone else, but I have a very, very, very cool guest today. I was going to say special guest. <laughs> you are special, but Thanks. this is this is very. Everyone says that, so it's more than special. Uh, it's very cool. He, I know him as a comedian first. He did a guest spot for me in Vegas last year. At, what was it? It was Don's. Yeah, I don't remember what that place was called. What? Delirious Comedy it Delirious. Place. Yeah. On my birthday. Thank you for that. Yeah. He killed it. But he's also a military man. He is Air Force. Please put your hands together for Mr. Garrett Hall. Hey, man. <laughs> Dude, thank you for coming, bro. Absolutely. I meant to get you me. a year ago. Yeah, I know. It was... Uh, it's been a long time since I've been out here, honestly. Because you have been well, I've been working, doing stand up, trying to trying to make trying to make the stand up thing happen uh, other places. Uh, now, how long have you been doing it? I just hit five years. Okay, yeah, just hit five. How much time do you have? Um, as far as what? So, oh, like can I do? Yeah, like forty five. Really? Yeah. How long before you go? Where are you from? Uh, probably 43. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my big closer, actually. Where are you from? <laughs> I'm trying to think where I had in five years, but at some point I was like, do you have any questions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a product of, um, early on getting taken on the road and just being like, Thrown to the wolves, you know. How did you get into it? Stand up. I, uh, you know, I I got to Vegas, and it was something I always wanted to do. You're from where? I'm from Arkansas originally. Okay. Yeah, it was something I always wanted to do. Join the military, and for the first three years of my military career, I was stationed in the UK in England. Okay. But I was like in the middle of nowhere, England. Mm-hmm. So Southeast England, um, the closest city like that that's recognizable is Cambridge. Yeah. And it's about 45 minutes from there. Yeah. So there wasn't really any open mics or anything like that. I always had the desire. And then I got stationed in Vegas, kind of slacked off on it. And then a year after getting to, getting to Vegas, I went to my first open mic. Wow. Now what made you want to do it? I always loved stand up, you know. I I was uh one of those kids who on Friday and Saturday nights, you know, I was kind of a lashkey kid, my parents worked. So Friday and Saturday nights, it was always Comedy Central. You know, just throwing on whenever they used to show specials all the time. So you liked watching stand up and you thought maybe I could do that. Yeah, I was always, you know, pretty loud, boisterous, you know, class clown type guy. But were did people tell you you were funny? Yeah. Yeah. And did you do you have some trauma in your childhood? A little bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're from Arkansas, so there's enough right that's there. That's enough right there. That ought to do it to anybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> you made it. 
made it out. I'm alive. So, yeah, I always say stand-up is the, the last thing before heroin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or alcohol. There's some heroin involved in stand-up a lot of times, too. Yeah, but. it's true. <laughs> That's but, true. Yeah. Those uh, people always fuck their setups up. Yeah, they do. They go, oh, what the fuck was I talking about? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's true. Like, that is, like, hey, this better work out or else I'm going to find another way to deal with my trauma. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like if you're doing stand-up, it's because, like, you know, I was always loud, crazy, like you're saying. Yeah. I was, I was a spaz. And enough people just said, you're never going to exist in the real world. Right. Like, you just don't fit as a middle manager. Yeah. And so I would take all these shitty jobs, always get fired. And my mom's like, then you should be the boss because you can't work for anybody and mm -hmm. all this shit. And I was just like, I really was already at the bottom of the barrel. So it wasn't like doing stand-up. I wasn't like putting off this great life. Right. And, you know. I always had so much delusion and just the tiniest chuckle from one little homeless person in the back yeah. of like a fucking storage closet. That way we have an open mic. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. You feel like you're on top of the world. Yeah. Just, you, just, you have to have a, a super amount of, uh, what I say, um, super amount of confidence, but also a super amount of insecurity and also yeah. a super amount of delusion. Yes, absolutely. There's, <laughs> and I'm sure we can all attest to it. There's so many people who are just stricken with delusion in this. It makes no sense why some people want to do it. It's, it's yeah. Some some of the meekest people you'll ever meet, yeah, are some of the funniest. Or they're totally humble off stage, and then when you see them on stage, they're a, a murderer. Yeah, and so those are my favorite types. But like people that. I, I wonder why some people think that they were supposed to do it. And then, like, do they even have the wherewithal to power through and go yeah. through all the shit? Yeah, because there, there is this, just in my experience, there is this, uh, this crossover of people who, like you said, are good at stand-up but have suffered a lot and have gone through trauma and have these personality traits that maybe they're not equipped to handle, like you said, going through all the shit that it takes, you know, featuring in the middle of nowhere, you know, for 200 bucks where you're basically losing money to do the, to do the gig. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it really, it really runs some people ragged. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, a it's totally different since when I started, but yeah, it's a totally, you know, you can't quote this man anymore, but Bill Cosby said it great. Mm -hmm. You will never do it It will do you Yeah I mean yeah. coming from him That's a little thing I think that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Yeah but, Might not be the best time To say doing you Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but it's true William Shatner said too He goes I never tell anyone How to make it as an actor that I think he had some accusations too Yeah I think so <laughs> <laughs> He was just next to me In the booth in Detroit so. Oh gotcha <laughs> Captain Kirk is a good guy But uh He uh yeah, it's like you. I just tell people if you're if you're at home, if you're at a ball game, if you're at the park, if you're at your fucking friend's house, and you're thinking, "What am I doing?" Like, if you're at a nightclub and you're thinking, "I should be at an open mic right now." Yes. Like, you like I was when I really started to do well, and this is after I struggled a lot. I would be in Vegas, and I'd be at a you know whatever some kind of party, and my name Jamie Kennedy, and I'm like enjoying the fruits of my labor. I still was like. 
I wish I did a set before this. Dude, yeah. Which is crazy because I had already done all that. So that means, and I was like, why am I feeling like this? And, and I was like, oh, I guess I'm meant to do it. Man, that insanity, you see it a lot. Um, I used to... I used to host a Sunday night open mic in Vegas and Oh, I heard about that. <laughs> Have you? I heard about that. Kyle uh, told me. Okay, yeah. I used to host a I used to think LA's were rough. Yeah. <laughs> he told me this do you want to tell me that story? Which one? Well, I think some of the coolest dudes come from Vegas. Yeah. Um I Alex Khan. Yeah. I love that kid. And I also Great love uh Mike. Uh, which Mike? Mike with the mustache. Which Mike? D'Angelo. Oh, Michael D'Angelo. Yeah, yeah, I love, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love D'Angelo. Yeah, they're too. great guys. That's a cool crew. Yeah, and I heard how what happened to him. Yeah, I didn't know how that happened. Well, as like to your point that uh, a lot of people have this, a lot of comics have this fucking drive where they just want to keep doing it. Like, I ran that Sunday night open mic, and dudes would get off stage after headlining at LA Comedy Club all week and then come do this open mic. Wow. And you're just like, dude, haven't you had enough? You know, and it, it really it really it was reassuring to all the comics there to see that like, you know, okay, I, it's normal for me to feel that way too because this person is, you know, relatively successful. They're headlining a club in Vegas and they still want to come get a set in before they leave town. Yeah. Now, what is your... What do you see? How old are you? 28. Okay, you started a good age. Now, what is your, what can you see as a, as a, as a goal for you in stand-up or a, a good life? A goal for me, um, headlining clubs, obviously. Um, but right now I'm also working on a, uh, production company. Um, my friend Ian and I, we started a company in Vegas called Fun Day Comedy where we put on shows all around town. So yeah, that was only that was only so you're going to do your own what? Yeah, so we were taking we were taking comedy and bringing it to people in bars downtown, like just different different places where people already were. We're not making anyone come to us. We're bringing comedy to where people are. And uh you know, it, it can have mixed results sometimes at first because You mean it's like you follow, you go to where you go to where people are and do a show, it's like a pop-up? Uh, it can be, it starts as that. And then it becomes like an established thing because people want it again. Uh, you know, it mostly started as us doing trivia and karaoke and music bingo nights and things like that. And then we'll always pitch. Also, this is hosted by professional comedians. That's the pitch. And then they say, Oh, we like these people, you know, who host. And then how about we do a comedy show and we do that, pay us this much and we'll come do it. They like it. We do it every couple weeks, you know? So would you like to do your own podcast, headline clubs, do colleges, do corporates, yeah. do ships, be a, a TV star? I eventually want to headline and also write for TV. and Because uh, it's all different now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole other nine-hour podcast. Yeah. But my, my only advice to anyone is, and I don't know anything, is just build your following. Yeah. That's it. Just get your mailing yeah. list, get your numbers keep pitching your peoples yeah and now that i'm starting to go out on the road and do club featuring for in clubs and stuff i'm starting to see more of how it all works together and it, yeah it's, it's hard it's hard to conceptualize whenever you're just like just starting out as an open micer and you're like man 
I guess you're like, you see these people who are like super famous and you're like, well, I guess they just got really good at comedy and that's the only reason they're that good. You know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> I guess they just wrote really good jokes and that's why they're super famous. But, uh, <laughs> no, a- after a while you start, it's the pieces start coming together, you know? Yeah. Oh, trust me. But you're going to have a nice road. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. I'm trying to. Now, that's the backstory of your creative side. Mm-hmm. How you're in the military. Yeah. So you've been in there for what, 10 years? Yeah. Uh, it'll be 10 years in September. And how long do you have to do? Um, well, it's, I initially signed a six year contract and then, um, I signed a one year extension. Okay. So that was the seven. And then I signed a four year, uh, reenlistment. And how do you do comedy when you do that? It's very hard, but, uh, I am, so with the military, they give you 30 days of paid vacation every year. Um, so all of (laughs) most of my paid vacation goes towards me going to, uh, you know, clubs to do feature weekends or, you know, anything. Have you, but so at 11 months out of the year, you're doing military stuff. Yeah. And then only one month you get to do comedy. No, 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 no. You can break up those 30 days any way you want. Okay. Yeah, so I'll take like four days here, three days there, you okay. know, and it rolls over. So it's it's a good system. And you, where were you stay? So here's the question. So why did you enlist after four, why did you add four more years? Uh, Because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I knew I wanted to be a comic, obviously, but also... um. I wasn't good enough at, at I wasn't established enough to support myself through comedy yet and uh, I wanted to finish my degree. I promised my mom I'd finish my degree. So, doing that and uh you know, just wanted wanted a little bit more more marketability in case the comedy thing didn't work out. You got to always you got to jump in. Yeah. You yeah. can't have a second plan. Well, that's why I, that's why I'm getting out next year. Yeah. <laughs> now wait. So, I always tell people that the most rewarding shows I ever had when I went to the USO. Yeah. When I went to Baghdad. Yeah. And um, it was me and Paul Wall, the rapper. Nice. My buddy Stu. Yeah. Bill Dawes. Um, this breakdancer, B-Boy Casper, was awesome. And we did a whole show. And we got off the plane, and I never felt more gratitude. Yeah. And the dude was like, it was like, a dude like you from like Arkansas and another dude from like Compton. Yeah. And it's the greatest melting pot in the it's world. Amazing for that. And yeah, 100%. And they, they got off and he's like, Buffalo cheerleaders fucking canceled. Fuck those bitches. So glad you're here. Yeah. Like, he's like, they fucking were so, they, and they put my helmet on and we went through literally the green zone. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, you can hear this, this. They were so grateful and I did it. I mean, we did a show in a hall, which was incredible, but we were doing the back of pickups and we yeah. were doing, you know, stages of mid and, and most, re- I don't know, I think probably I did 10 shows or whatever. Yeah. And it was the most rewarding thing I think I'd ever done. And I was like, oh, okay, this is why I do this now. Yeah. And, um, people really need it. Yeah. And I... I loved it, and I so much I learned on those trips, and I so much that the military tell me from I would hang with guys like you know, 
the enlisted, yeah, all the way up to like the four stars, yeah. Those guys that just never, you know, bombs popping off and nukes are going up. Like, you want some toast? You know, yeah. like literally, yeah. that shit is real. The yeah. people, as you know, yeah. And then there's poor somebody walks off the plane and steps on a toe popper, you know, mm-hmm. and it, and I learned how much. How much shit the media says and how much shit the bullshit the normal people say. And that's when I see people on fucking line talking shit. I'm like, I always want the military to talk, but I, you guys don't say shit because you don't want to fuck with your pension and all yeah, that shit. Yeah, yeah, But there's like, it drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it says to someone like you who's uh, in the shit. Yeah, there, there's a lot of times where <laughs> I have been deployed and then seen a report about my deployment on CNN or on Fox News or something like that and been like, that's not what's going on. <laughs> They'll like literally be like, here's what's happening over there right now. And I'm like, I'm here, and that's not what's happening. So the first couple of years, you were at where? I was in the UK. And then where, where, where did you go after that? I came to Vegas. And then, and then when was your first tour? My first tour was while I was in the UK. Um, I did two separate uh, small ones. They were three weeks. No, they were a little over a month each time to uh, Niger. Niger, to handle some business? Yeah. And what's your your specialty? I'm a helicopter mechanic, or I'm an aircraft mechanic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So, there's a... I really fuck with the military a lot. Like yeah. I, I, and I can always say you're so cool. You're so humble. You're so reserved. You're so respectful. That's what everyone needs to do. Right. Boot camp, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of comics in San Diego. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's a big military. Yeah. Team, and a lot of guys like you. And there's, like, one guy's, like, special ops. Another guy was, like, comms. Yeah. And we, me and Kyle were down there, and we were talking about it. And it was, like... We know where to go if the shit hits the fan. Dude, yes. There's a three-month supply, and we know every, they've got every corner, and it's hidden. It's like, It looks like a nice little sleepy beach town, mm-hmm. but it's covered with ex-military. San Diego is one of those places where it's one of the few places I've ever been where if you're in a bar, it could be 2 a.m., people are hammered. People bump into each other, and they'll just look at each other and be like, excuse me, you know? <laughs> they, they all... Because there's so many, there's so many professional killers in that town. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that you're like, don't want to risk it. You know. Yeah, they'll come to my shows, man. Yes, and I'll just they'll laugh really hard, mm-hmm. and they're real respectful. And yep. you know, they might drink a little bit, but I can just tell right by the haircut. I'm like, okay, um, do I want to heckle this guy back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the haircut's a little too clean. Well, but they're so respectful to comedy. Like, yeah, they it's love like it. a drug for them. Yeah. So between between uh, the Navy SEALs, the Marine base. The SEALs. People don't know the SEALs. Yeah. Yes. The, the Navy SEALs, the Marine base, and there's like four different high-level MMA camps down there. Yeah. So it's just not a place where you want to get in a bar fight at all. No. So everyone is just really kind of like. And they don't want to. Yeah. Because they know they might murder someone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's so funny, dude, because I did shows in Spokane a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think it's Spokane. They have a big-ass school, but I think it's a female MMA school. Oh, okay. And I've always had a couple of females come, and they're so respectful. Yeah. But, like, you know, I 
they don't want to. F- I could always tell that they never wanted the fucking get yeah problems with anybody. No, yeah. So you 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 know what's up. So I wanted to speak with you a year ago, and yeah. life is crazy. Yeah, because you were in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And how many have you been? Have you how many tours have you done since the UK? So that was my first one actually here at, in Vegas. So um, since getting to Vegas, that was my first one. Okay, so you really only so that was your first move when you went to Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and so that was my first time in the Middle East. I'd done like like I said, I'd done those Africa trips. Yeah, and that was for like because. Over there, I worked for a special ops unit as well, mm-hmm. and so that was like some quick. We're gonna go in, do what we need to do, and then get out. Wait, was it in the Horn? No, it was in Nigeria. So this was, um, I can tell you now. It's been a long, it's been long enough. Uh, that was like whenever. So you remember when ISIS was popping off? They had that that branch in Africa, Boko Haram. Ish, yeah, yeah. that's what that was for. To you know. Um, handle some business. Handle some business. Yes. So wait, I'm trying to think of where that is in Africa. Is it in the middle of it? It's like, central, or is it the top? Central East. Is it by Joseph Con- Joseph Coney Land? Yes. Yes. So it's where you do not want to be stranded. Yes. Yeah. It's like that's lawlessness. Mm-hmm. That's like if you're wearing anything that remotely looks like a watch, you lose the, the, up to here, dude. Yeah. I was like I said, I was there for like eight weeks total, and uh, <laughs> but you went in with the with the crew. Oh yeah. So you guys set up camp and then you establish perimeters. There is already, or do you already just had that? There's always already what's called a fob, which is a Ford operating base. Mm-hmm. So it's like pretty bare bones, just enough structures. You know what I mean? So like, there's showers, there's a place to eat, there's like beds. We were sleeping in a basically a storage warehouse where they had all the all the equipment, and then they built like this uh, this like art, like this wall that they just built, and then put up rows of bunk beds. Yeah. And so it, we were just sleeping in a warehouse, essentially. Um, so everything doubled as something else. That's, that's it's how bare bones it was. I mean, but that is like, have you 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 tell me if this is true? No. That they were training gorillas, <laughs> like guerrilla warfare. Actual, no actual, actual gorillas, gorillas to no. shoot guns. No. Have you ever heard that? No, I've not. I, I fucking wish, dude. I would like. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, Joseph Coney, they say, had a lot of kids. He trained yeah. his killers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, evil shit. Mm-hmm. Terrible shit. Uh, the worst shit. Yeah. We did a, uh, you know, we did some picking up, picking people up and put them in, putting them in different places. So, <laughs> putting them, you mean out of this atmosphere? No. Picked them up. Took them somewhere else. A different plane came, grabbed them, and took them somewhere else. Oh, is that what I? A place where it's not it's not junk drivers. Yeah, no, it's no, still no. it's the worst holding. Yeah, okay, yeah. it's uh, I got you. Instead of handcuffs, you are in zip ties. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's it's Con Air, but you know, without Nicholas Cage. Yeah. yeah, I got you. Okay, so you were doing that. Uh, yeah, I wasn't doing any of that. That's the thing. You I fly was, them? No, I was just I was the crew chief. So. What the, what would happen is um, you were picking up the you were picking up literally the suicide squad. You're picking up the worst of the worst. Yeah. So yeah. we'd pick them up. I wasn't part of the pickup. I was literally flying on this plane in case it broke down over like in in places like that. And where are the dudes there? 
So we flew. Fuck. So you're on the plane. Yeah. So if you go down, they're like, "Hey, we're this gonna- is dude. You ever see the movie Congo? This yeah. is Congo. Yeah. They're like, if we if we break, there ain't no fucking Carl's Jr. out there. <laughs> no, it's in the desert. In the the d- d- desert. But and it's, people think, oh, Panama jungle. This makes Panama jungle look like fucking Palm Springs. Yeah. This is the desert, uh, like the Sahara Desert. <sighs> and so it was. I'm flying on the plane, and it's like if. We have an issue that causes us to have to emergency land. It's on me to go fix it. You know what I mean? Just out there. (laughs) Makes total sense. Yeah. What about fuel? You guys bring extra fuel and all that shit. No. These were were C-130s, so they had plenty of fuel to fly around for a while. Okay. Um, But, yeah. So, we go and we land, and uh, the ramp lowers, and we're just sitting out there. Engines are still running. Propellers are still turning. And we're waiting, and then over a sand dune, you see, like, three trucks. Like a fucking movie. Yeah, three trucks with, like, 50 cows mounted in the back. And they come roll up into the aircraft, and I have to, like, grab, you know, cargo strap them down, get them all set. And uh, in the back of one of those trucks, they have a dude who has, you know, who has, like, a a, a bag over his head and zip-tied. And How many did did you grab? Three. Three? Yeah. And how many of you guys to, to grab three? Uh, like I said, I wasn't grabbing anybody. But it was but thirty of you. No, there was probably ten. Okay, and then we took off, and then went back to where we were. Stayed there. They said, "No one get off the plane. Everyone stay here. Don't even look out the windows." I looked out the windows. Obviously, yeah. I want to see what's going on. So we park, and then we're sitting there. Engines are still running. Another little like, uh, like a private plane comes flying in next to us. Parks next to us. Uh, door opens, three dudes in like polos, khaki pants, and side pieces come off. They take that guy out of that plane, put him in that one. They take off and bam, and they're going to fucking fly who knows where. Wow. <laughs> so that's like pri- That's like ex-military who now are doing private. Probably. Yeah. Or CIA. Yeah. I don't know. And these ain't these ain't your local Bakersfield PD. No. These are like no. highest of the yeah. highest. Clearance levels of super clear. Yeah. <sighs> Bro. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that I fuck with this shit and I'm not you. Yeah. But I know more than I should. Mm-hmm. And there's two reasons why. Because of the USO. Mm-hmm. And and so, and when I'm famous, I meet a lot of people. Yeah. So that's like neat and people want to meet me. So I get to meet a lot of them. But the other thing is movies. Yeah. When I do a movie, bro, we have the best of the best. And you have consul- you know, you know, consultations. All day. Yeah. All day. experts the there. Highest form of consultation. Yeah. Like, from the Pentagon. Yeah. So you, you know, they can only say what they can say. Yeah. But it's the world that exists and then there's. The world that people drink White Claw in. Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> and they think that's the world. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. And that was that was one of the weirdest things about uh, last summer when I was in Afghanistan. So you go, when did you get the call? This is why so, I really wanted to talk to you. Yeah. And you know, but I'm also, you know, you're a comedian and I'm a fan of you and your comedy. Thank you, man. Here's what's crazy is... In my Facebook memories, it came up a year ago today. I left. 
So, yeah. And I had a fucking fender bender. Yeah. So it's really. So how you get the call and what happens? So this was on a Tuesday. I was working night shifts. I was working uh, midnight to 8 a.m. Okay. So my shift ends uh, Tuesday morning. And uh, I'm hanging out, waiting to get released by the next crew. Uh, our the guy who's our shop lead, essentially, he comes in. And he goes, "Hey, you guys know how you're on that uh, on that uh, that scramble list? So it's a list of people they keep, and you have to have all your shit updated. You're on the list for a year in case something pops off, and you have to go. Okay, no one, it never pops off. Nothing ever happens. You know, you're just like, yeah, fine, put me on the list. Who cares? So you're in you're in Vegas. Yeah, I'm just on this looking fixing fixing helicopters. Yeah, gotcha. And uh, after, you know, after a shift, my shop lead comes in. He's like, hey, uh, me and another guy, he's like, you know, y'all are probably going to get activated. And I'm like, what? No, we're not. And he goes, dude, it's, they're trying to gear us up. And I'm like, okay, well, no big deal. COVID's still going on. We're going to have weeks of quarantine, this whole deal. Yeah. Bro, they told me that on Tuesday. I landed in Kabul on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never been. Never been before. So hold on. You go there. How mm-hmm. how long they say get ready? You gotta be ready. They said they they told us to be ready. Um they told us as soon as everyone has all their shit ready to go, we're leaving. Okay. So like I said, it was a Tuesday. Um luckily I had most of my shit up to date. Yeah. Um and do you take a C? Do you t- do you take a regular airline and then you take the C? No, no, we you go out right away. Yeah, we in the military. We loaded up the helicopters and all of our people on a C seventeen. Yeah, and then flew that from Vegas to Maine, refueled in Maine, and stayed there for like six hours. Got some food, and then flew from Maine to Germany, and then stayed there a night, and then flew. So the C, yeah, the C seventeen is great. Yeah, but I so that's the one where you strap in, and yes. it's like all metal inside, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So you don't really, and if you lay down, you lay on that wooden bench. Yeah, you can lay on the bench. You can just lay on the floor. We had helicopters in there, so people were laying in the helicopters. Yeah, side. that's right. They're so big. I forget yeah. this, but and there, I think there are little hammocks in there. You can well, there's not some in there, but most people bring their own hammocks. Dude, I was in the cockpit of that thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, should I be in here? They're like, whatever you want. Yeah, they're like, who cares? <laughs> we got a we got a long flight. Yeah, like, we got to entertain ourselves somehow. I forget that things are amazing. It's like a cruise ship. Yeah, I mean, not with all the wells, but it's so big. It's huge, and you can just. Walk around. Yeah. Put a fucking arcade in one. It's like a flying building almost. Yeah, it is a flying building, dude. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. So what do they go for? Are they more expensive than a regular commercial? Yeah, they got to be. Like as far as price? Yeah. To fly in a C-17? It's kind of a, No, I'm saying since they're hollow, but they're so mm-hmm. big, they, what are they, like four seven forty seven prices? Oh, Dude, there's no telling how much those cost. <laughs> I know. But dude, you <laughs> can't even no, get a seat with a cushion in it. No, yeah. That's what's fucked up. Yeah, you're They're sitting- probably the most expensive plane, but you can't even get a fucking cushion. Yeah, you're sitting on a net, essentially. Sit- <laughs> or a fucking wood bench. Yeah, I, I remember that. And you got your gear. Do you have your helmet on? Yeah. You no, had, we, we had. I we, always had the vest and everything on. No, they didn't make us do that. Okay. Um, well, I was, we were probably in the zone. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't know. Cause, so, Did you have a parachute on? No. So, okay, because in case something does go down. Yeah, no, okay. they didn't have us on a parachute. So we get to uh, Afghanistan. We get to Kabul. <laughs> and uh, 
they're like, all right, guys, um, we're just here to help the withdrawal of all the U.S. forces. So this is when our, we decided that we were going to withdraw our troops. Yeah, this is last summer. Everyone's like, all right, we're going to withdraw. And ISIS took over? Uh, Taliban. Taliban did. Okay. So once we get there, um, this is before all that happened. So we get there in July. All that stuff happened in late August. Uh-huh. So we're there and nothing's going on. We're there. We're one of two Air Force units there, and my my unit does search and rescue. That's our that's our mission. And so they said, "Hey, we're just here in case one of the U.S. pilots goes down behind enemy lines. We got to go pull them out." Um, they're like, "There's not going to be much flying, so I don't think that's going to happen. They just need us here just in case." And so it's a lot of it's twelve hour shifts, and so it's a lot of just sitting around for twelve hours. You know, yeah. we would fly once a day and nothing. You know, that was it. You had to prep for one one aircraft would take off per day, and what you just to go just to keep up there. Uh, so whenever we do a pre flight inspection, it lasts for three days. Okay, and we had three aircraft. Uh huh. So one per day. You know, they'd have to rotate just to keep the pre flight inspection current and everything mm-hmm. like that. So um, we're not thinking anything of it, and then um, we see on they're telling us, "Hey guys." Uh, Prepare to be here until November. I'm like, fuck, you just gave us like four days notice. What day did you, wait, wait what day did you? got there in July. Okay. So like I said, about this time last year, they're like, prepare to be here till November. I'm like, okay, I mean, whatever. Like, this isn't what I was planning on, but okay. No one knew when we were coming back. And uh, so things, we're seeing things happen and they're like, yeah, Taliban is advancing. The Afghan military will hold them off though once the, before they get to any major towns. Well, that didn't happen. They they kept going to major towns, kept getting more and more ground, and then they had the capital city Kabul surrounded. Okay, and uh, why couldn't their military stop them? Because it's a long and complicated reason, but it mostly boils down to the fact that the Taliban is not a military force. They are a terrorist group. So they would take over. They would win these battles, right? Uh-huh. And then they'd take all the Afghan army guys and lay them down and then run a truck over their heads. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not it's not a military force. That's not, like, if if the United States wins a battle, it, like, say, a armed conflict against, say, you know, the Japanese army, we're taking prisoners, negotiating their release, you know, figuring out how 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 we're going to do this humanely, keeping them, you know what I mean, making sure they're fed. This is not they don't operate in under any laws like that. They don't operate under any military law. Fucking evil. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so wait, they they they, but when they were on the news, like reporters were around, they're like, the Taliban hasn't been doing anything to us, mm-hmm. but these are the guys that are like. Well, cut your head off, right? Yes. And the, there was also a problem with the supply chain in Afghanistan getting getting uh, ammunition, supplies, food out to these other outposts in these surrounding areas. So the military, the Afghan national military, wouldn't have anything to fight back with. You know what I mean? So they were just oh sitting God. ducks. And they, like, all these guys, like, had to, had to sit there and know that they were about to get murdered in the most brutal way. And, like, so most of them just turned and ran. Uh, So did the Afghans, 
I mean, did the Taliban catch a lot of people? Yes. So they, um, they're like, oh, they were telling us, you know, uh, Afghan military is going to stop them. It's no big deal. Don't have, don't have to worry about it. And then three days later, uh, you know, they're right on the doorstep of Kabul. And so we knew that um, there was an agreement between the United States and the leaders of the Taliban to be like, hey, if you don't fuck with us, we will get out of here. Y'all can have the country, but just let us leave. Okay. So there, there came a point where they had taken over Kabul. And people found out that they were on their way to Kabul and they weren't going to be stopped. And people started rushing the airport. So the airport, Kabul airport, yeah, half of it is a commercial airport. Mm-hmm. The other half is a military base. Mm-hmm. So that's where we were. Okay. Um, it's operated by the Turkish military. Okay. The Turkish military helped a little bit. And then at the end of it, they were like, we're out of here. Okay. So it's, they're in, they're like, imagine you're, imagine you're at a job, right? And uh, all the people who know how all the machines, like you're, you've worked fast food before? No, but food I, in general. You know, someone who knows to work a fryer leaves. Yeah, you don't and know how like, anyone that we can Hey, fry. we need we need fries, and you're like, ah, okay, we can try. You know, so that's how it all ended up kind of being. Like, it was just us out, just military, army, army, air force, and marines out there trying to do crowd control and trying to get people on these planes so they can get out of Afghanistan. But so they pe- know. So people are running for their lives. People are running for their because lives because the, the Taliban's coming. Yeah, people are getting trampled to death in the in the airport. Because there's so many people just trying to get the fuck out of there. Like, Jamie, I can tell you some horrible shit, but like, I don't want to. I don't want to be like a completely depressing podcast. But people were doing everything in their power to like get out of there, and not even just themselves. They were like, "Take my kids," you know what I mean? So yeah. So I, I mean, this was a year ago. So it's a little out of my head. But I remember in the, this was this is why I wanted to have you on because in the memory it was everyone was. Climbing the fences, yeah. take my kid, just yeah. make them safe. And the military would sometimes grab it mm-hmm. or they said they couldn't. So what, what, when somebody, I want to go back to what you said, but when someone grabs a kid, what do they do with them? They take them and try and figure out how to process them and get them into the, uh, on the planes. So was the plane C-19s or C-19? C-17s. Yes. Yeah. So, um, basically. Turkish military, Turkish left. Yeah. They're gone. Um. Afghan military is gone. They're they're done. There is no Afghan military at that point. Uh, <laughs> Holy fuck! Yeah. So, the, all these people are running at you. Yeah. And the Taliban's behind them. Yes. Um, so the Taliban was doing crowd control on the civilian side of the airport, but they're trying to maintain a certain level of order because they know they're going to be in charge. This is smart on their part. They knew they were going to be in charge. So they're like. We can't just go around fucking people up. You know what I mean? Like, there's too many of them and not enough of us. You know what I mean? It could they could just overwhelm us at a certain point. So like, so we gotta like be somewhat orderly. So what we were doing was taking people who had um, who had visas, special visas. So Afghans who helped the military as like translators, guides, anything like that. Their their payoff was, hey, this is a visa for the United States. 
whenever you're ready, you and your family can get safe passage to the United States and work on citizenship and, you know, have that whole thing work out for you. Like, you will go to the front of the line. So all these people who hadn't cashed it in until then were, like, trying their damnedest to get out of there. And mm -hmm. so we have to prioritize them. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, dude, it was, like, 100 degrees outside, and they're just every, people are, like, passing out from, like, standing outside for days at a time. Um, yeah, and just running at those fences, crashing yeah. the fences. Yeah. And what's the Taliban doing? They're, like, they were, like, popping off rounds into the air doing crowd control with guns. Like, not shooting anyone. One dude had a giant whip he was doing crowd control with. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, God. So, the, I'll, so, I wake up one morning, and uh, I go, and my shift was 11 a.m. to 11. No, it was midnight or noon to midnight. So, at 11, I would go get lunch and then walk to work. So me and my roommate and the two people across the hall from us, we'd all just go get lunch together. So we go to get lunch, and we're hearing all these rounds pop off, and we're like, fuck, man. I don't know what's going on. And uh, we go grab our food, and we come out, and this Army captain, he looks at us, and he goes, hey. He goes, hey, we need you all to help us take position right now. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, we need you all to help us take position. They're rushing at the gate. And I said, Okay. And so he says, you, grabs me, and goes, you get on this, get on this balcony, this balcony for a building. And I could see over and see the flight line and see everyone, where everyone was rushing into. He's mm -hmm. like, there's a barrier here. He's like, draw a barrier right here. You see where I'm, where I'm pointing? And he's like, from this edge to this edge. I'm like, yeah. He goes, if someone passes over that, tell them to stop, you know, tell them to get down. He said, if they, if they cross this wall, he said, shoot, pop a couple rounds in the air. He goes, if they cross this barrier, you got to drop them. And, uh, so we're out there for, yeah, these are people who are just like running for their lives, who are like trying to do everything they can to survive. So it was, it was 14 hours of being up there, um, just waiting. And, uh, we, we were, cause we were guarding a hospital too. Cause that was the gate. That was the, where we were at. It was in front of a hospital. So we had to like keep the people in the in the hospital safe, and uh, at one point we had to. One of the Turkish military guys got hit with something. Uh, they think, it, come to find out, it was probably friendly fire. Mm -hmm. um, he got hit in the stomach, and we had to like pull him out of the ambulance and everything. And it was, it was crazy. It was just a nutty, nutty situation, and uh, so this goes on for like three or four days did people go past the wall no no one ever did luckily um but that was when we're out there and i'm on this balcony right and i'm looking over and i'm seeing the these planes trying to take off and they can't take off because there's so many people on the runway there's people like there people hanging on the fucking wheel that's what, well. I gonna, that's what i was gonna tell you i saw this plane take off right and i'm watching it and i see just guy drop i was like what was that oh <sighs> And I was like, and somebody goes, I don't know, maybe some luggage or something. No, it was the, it was that that indelible image of the fall of Kabul where that guy falls out of the out was of the sky. Was he trying to just? He was trying to hang on. Just hang on. Yeah. Oh God, so yeah. So he was just trying to hang on and get the fuck out of there. And uh, and you guys, you guys had to go and clean that up. I didn't have to. Yeah. No, he actually he didn't fall anywhere on the base or in the airport, he fell, like, in the middle of a street somewhere in Kabul. Oh. Yeah. 
So um, it was a lot of that, and they were taking helicopters, uh, army, army, helico- army Blackhawks, and landing, like trying to land them, and like turn the blades to where they're kicking up enough dust to like just get n- people out, knock wow. people back, yeah. And so finally, it gets under control, and uh, that was day one of all this. <laughs> yeah, that was day one of when everything started going to shit. When you said you could tell me some fucked up shit, like go easy. You're talking about like in the airport, yeah. Give me a, a lesser one. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, people would show up with, there was this one crew, this one family, and uh, they said, hey, we have our visas, we have our passports and visas, and they handed me, or they handed my my coworker, they handed him four pieces of paper, right? And uh, there was only two of them. He's like, where are the other two? And they're like, they, they're gone. Like, they were killed. They don't know if they were killed. They were trampled. Like, it was just such a mass of humanity. Like, if you lost the people you were with, it's over, you know? Oh, fuck. Like, if you got separated from the people you were with, there's no getting back to them. So it was like just a sea of yeah. people. Yeah. Just try. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so we would go over there and try and build shade for them and... You know, try and figure out something so that they weren't standing out there in the sun all day. And who decided? Because it's the, the the right thing to do. But who decided you have to guard the hospital, which you should? But was that our decision? Or yes, was that, that was the that was the U.S. Because it's a it's a it's a joint base. We care more about these people than their people do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, this was on the military side. So we had some Afghan army guys in there. We had. The Norwegian uh, Army medical team was mm-hmm. in there, and uh, they uh, they were doing a lot of good stuff out there. Shout out to those guys; they were awesome. Uh, they brought <laughs> it was <laughs> they were trying to be helpful, but it was like 110 degrees outside, and they were like, "Here, thank you for guarding this hospital, and give us this giant, like, cartoonishly large bar of chocolate." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like. Thanks, the man. The Norwegians. <laughs> yeah. Then you can just see them giving you chocolate. Yeah. But this, this, they're not Swiss. Yeah. Just this massively, oh, like, novelty size bar of chocolate that you would find in, like, the M&M store or something. <laughs> Thank you for only killing nine yeah. people. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Wow. So. That was cool. It was like, well, thanks, guys. I they just give this- you a bar of chocolate. Okay. So... Dude, so wait, so that's day one, and so what, what? That's day one of everything falling apart. Okay. We'd been there for like a month at this point with nothing going on. Nothing was happening. Just there to like, hey, we need some boys in the hood. No, like just some insurance, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, then everything fell apart in an instant. And, uh, and it fell apart because Taliban went farther than they thought they could. Everyone kept underestimating them. And the military... Had no supply chain. Yeah, the Afghan military. And then Turks, they said, we're out. Yeah, they said, this isn't our problem anymore. And you guys were there, and you're trying to get our guys out. Yes. So, it got to the point, and this is where it gets fun. No more depressing shit after that. So, uh, this is where it gets fun. After that, um, we are trying to figure things out. Like I said, there's no trash service on base. We're having to figure out where to take trash. Um, no, no one's coming to clean up, clean out the dumpsters. No one's giving us gas. There's no gas on base. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to find any vehicle that runs. Um, 
the army guys. I wouldn't think a trash is a big problem, but yeah. Well, yeah. whenever you're all living in a compound and uh, yeah, it gets starts yeah. getting to be a issue. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> and uh, so eventually, what we had to do is take all these dumpsters, and you know, you know the mules, like the ATVs. Yeah. We take a dumpster. We took six dumpsters and took a cargo strap and wrapped it through all six, and tied it off to a mule, and we're driving around like a little train, you know, of just trash. And they're like, "Where do we put this?" And I was like, "Honestly, who fucking cares, man?" Yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, just not here. Like, that's where yeah, we put, put it. it. Just in the not here. Desert. Yeah, we just found a spot and we're like, just tipped them over, you know? Yeah. And so there was that, and um, yeah, man, they eventually one night, we had kind of not really given up, but we were just like resigned to the fact like, hey, we're going to get out of here, and this whole base is going to be overrun. So it's not our problem anymore, so we don't have to really maintain anything. So you had fucking Marines. Now, if you know any Marines in your life, they're psychos. <laughs> Absolute psychos. Hoo-ha. Yeah. We had Marines. I like you guys. I do, too. You're but, fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, they they were absolute psychos. So they were they well, were they'll trying get to find, after it. Yeah. They they'll were trying to find it. any vehicle they could to just drive their shit around. And yeah. so people were spray painting stuff on the side like this belongs to this unit of just trucks they found. <laughs> You like know what I mean? Whose truck? Any truck they found. Like a truck, a, a, a military truck, or just a person's truck? A person's truck. Yeah. It could have belonged to the Turkish military. And they're hot wiring it. Yeah. Okay. Eventually, uh, it got down to the fact where the Marines were driving around a fire truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why didn't you guys have your vehicles? They ran out of gas. And why isn't there a gas station there? No, no one was refilling the gas station. That's what I'm saying. There was no gas. Nothing was being serviced. How do they usually get gas over there? Uh, a gas truck comes from Afghanistan, from Kabul, and then comes onto the base. And that was done. That was done. Our food was done. We had to eat MREs for weeks at a time. But you had MREs. We had MREs. How had many MREs? For you guys that don't know what that is. That's a meal ready to eat. Yep. It's a freeze-dried package of food that's supposed mm-hmm. to last you all day it's supposed to be all your calories for the day mm-hmm. it'll have like uh an entree snacks dessert mm-hmm. a couple of protein bars some gatorade juice you know just different stuff in there and you'll be you'll do about nine days in a row and you won't shit you will stop shitting and like, then when you do shit you won't stop shitting that's another thing there was no one there to fix the plumbing or Ooh. the porta potties yeah so wow it okay. was, yeah, no, that adds up in the heat. That's what I'm saying. It turned into a fucking nightmare. A literal shit show. Yeah. <laughs> so um, all that's going on, and then the stores on base, whoever owned the stores had just abandoned them. So You guys were going in. I had right. some pretty cool. I got. I acquired some pretty cool things from yeah. Afghanistan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See, it's lawlessness. People don't realize it was, that. It was Mad Max, dude. Yeah. It was like fucking Mad Max out there. And, like, one of my, it, it was a shitty time, but one of my favorite memories I will carry to the grave with me is riding around in that fire truck, smoking a cigarette, and blasting Chief Keef with the ox cord, you know? <laughs> <laughs> While a government is falling behind me, you know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. wait. <laughs> so you're dry. So there was no food. Like, thank God you guys had MREs. Oh yeah, always ready for that. 
And that's, you're there. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if not, you'd have to go into town and figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, but were you, if you went into town, were you, like, the, the, the Taliban, to your knowledge, they weren't killing people in front of you? No, no, they weren't. And, uh, they made them look like friendly people on the fucking CNN. Yeah. They were like, the Taliban is being respectful. Yeah. And they, they were cause they had to, you know, they had an agreement like, Hey, you're not going to kill civilians. You're not going to kill any military personnel or else like they, with the us. United, yeah. The United States said like, we're going to rain hell on you if we, if that happens while we're still here. Okay. And, uh, they knew better, you know, they knew okay. enough to know that. Okay. And so there was one night, um, like I said, we'd all been resigned to the fact that, Hey, this is all getting overrun. You know, we're not, this isn't going to be a useful military base ever again. Mm-hmm. So there was one night where a, um, a two star general comes over to our compound and he's like, Hey, uh, you guys are the helicopter mechanics, right? We're like, yeah. He goes, all right, I need some help. Uh, over there around this, around this corner is an Afghan military hangar. What they have in there is some Afghan helicopters. He said, I need you to come over here with me and make sure, he said, because the Taliban's going to overrun this base, I need you to make sure those are not flyable again. So he can't tell us, he couldn't tell us to break them. Okay. So remember the reports that they were saying, they left all the military equipment there, they left all those aircraft for yeah. the Taliban? Those things ain't never getting off the ground. Those things ain't never starting again. So <laughs> that what's good is so is he had the wherewithal and yeah. you also believe in it, which I would, mm-hmm. is we don't want to give them any help. Right. We don't need them getting anything that they that could make them stronger. But my okay, so that's great. But my question is why didn't we just take them? Uh where are we gonna, what are we gonna do with them? They there was no there's no gas to put in them you know what I mean but also like what are we gonna do with them where are we gonna you can't fly no one wants to fly the Afghan National Army helicopter when the Taliban has already slaughtered all of them you know what I'm saying like no one wants to get shot down out of the sky because they're like oh are these are copters or their copters theirs those are the Afghan ones wow. So wait, so when they said we left all of our equipment, I thought it was mil- American equipment. No, no, no. It was equipment that we had given them like years ago. And so it's so it's what was in the possession of the Afghan army. Right, right. And so our guys said, hey, fucking fuck it all up. Yeah. Without saying fuck it all up. Yes. And so what did you guys do? Oh, I went over there and I was, like I said, I've worked on helicopters for the past six years, so... I knew what to pull out, you know, I knew yeah. what to take, what not to do. And, you know, I uh, got a couple souvenirs from that. Um, and, man, we went to one spot in that hangar, and uh, there was just a pile of fucking uniforms. It looked like, it, you, you remember the movie Left Behind? No. It was a movie, it was that Christian movie, the Kirk Cameron movie about the rapture, where people were getting taken by God, and, like, just a pile of their clothes would be left. That's what that hangar looked like, except with military uniforms. These guys were stripping off their military uniforms and taking off. Dude, I'm not from Arkansas, so I never saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no dis- Oh, you didn't you see, you see that Kirk Cameron movie? <laughs> you remember facing the Giants? <laughs> <laughs> I love Kirk Cameron, but yeah, no, I didn't see it. So, so, wow, that's an actually interesting plot. I'm still thinking about that plot. So the guys were taking their... their 
military uniforms. Yeah, and just leaving. Because they didn't they didn't want to be identified as the yes, Army. And get killed. Yeah. It's smart. Yeah, it's smart. So wait, so they left them there. There's all these army there's all these um, fucking uniforms. Mm-hmm. You guys so how many copters did you fuck up? Me personally? Six. Six. Yeah. And how much you think those copters were worth? Uh helicopter itself is Seventy million dollars. Yeah. So you alone took down three hundred and fifty million worth of equipment. Yeah, forty four hundred twenty four point two. Yeah, you did six. Yeah, and there's oh 70. my bad. Yeah, I see my math is off. Past <laughs> so you did four hundred, almost a half a billion dollars worth of damage. Yeah. Now, <laughs> right here, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at you. Yeah. So do you think if you got those helicopters. You could have fixed them? Yeah, because I know what I took out of them. You know what you took out of them. Yeah. So they're fucked because those guys don't know how to do that. They don't know how to fix that. You have to to be able to fix something like that. You have to get the specialized parts from the company that makes the helicopters, right? And no one, I don't think anyone at Sikorsky, the company who makes Blackhawks, is down to do business with the Taliban. <laughs> I don't. I don't think anyone in the Taliban is calling up. And be like, hey, you got. I got a part number. Can you run this for me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, do they? So you did a half a billion dollars worth of damage. Yeah, and I mean, I'm getting the idea that those those things are like rusted out now. Yeah, burn out, or maybe one of them made it into a night like. A, a lounge, yeah, <laughs> right. They could do whatever they want. With yeah, them. yeah. So, how much did your crew take down? If you just took down a half a billion, it's like two full hangers worth. I don't know how many in total, but it was like two full hangers worth. Dude, I gotta take a second here. <laughs> two full hangers worth of uh, how many's in a hangar? Ten. There were different types of aircraft in there, too, though. So it's like, helicopter-wise, there would probably be about 10-ish, you know? Um, so $700 million. Yeah, if there was anything else, we'd fuck that up, too. Uh, Who told your commander to do it? Uh, I think those orders came from high, high above. Like super high? Super high above. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so we can't get it out of there. No, no, it's, it's done for. We don't want them to have it. So we did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. And then after we did all that, uh, I heard that the, uh, that a couple other special ops guys went over there and just like, Blew some of them up, you know. So blew up all. Do you think? I don't think they blew up all of them. I don't think. Do you think? God, there's there's got to be guys in the Taliban that can fly helicopters. Sure. Uh, Fix them. Not without engine drive shafts. And yes, without. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And the company that makes the Blackhawk, that part is a specialized company. Yeah, that's yeah, in yeah. Like Milwaukee or something. It's in Kentucky. I think. Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. And that's it. 
Yeah. If you need that part of that drive shaft, you're only going to get it from that part of Kentucky. Yep. And fucking your boy Kabir is not going to be able to. Yeah, uh-uh. Okay. Get Joe Bob on the phone. Yeah. Right. So, so wait, this is so fucking fascinating. <laughs> so we, how much equipment do you think was destroyed monetarily wise? I dude, I couldn't even put a figure on it because between all the, all the aircraft, <sighs> all the, all the other equipment, just like, there's so much supporting equipment that goes with aircraft too, you know, like there's uh ground generators that you can hook up and like turn the power on for an aircraft without like starting anything, you know? So that had to be taken apart. There's so five B probably for the whole time or just your unit? Uh, probably for the whole time. Uh, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's so hard to put an estimate on it. Cause I don't know how extensive they went. What with- about all those guns? Those were gotten rid of too. Why did the media act like we gave them all the guns then? I I have no idea. They there were guns left, but they weren't military. They were so the the thing is here's how you know the difference. Whenever um, they show those news reports, all you saw those big like stacks of guns. Yeah, have, those were all AK forty sevens. Yeah, the United States military doesn't use AK forty sevens. Oh. The Afghan military does not use AK-47s. So those are Taliban black yeah. market guns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're from China or... They know. got them. Yeah. So that that was the that was what was so weird is we were over there and I still had like internet access. So I'd be on Twitter seeing reports of like, we're leaving all this equipment for them. And I'm like, not yeah. if I got anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah. You know? So we didn't leave them shit. No. They ha- and we we shouldn't leave them shit. No, yeah. Okay, so they got fuck all. Mm-hmm. They couldn't fuck with you guys, or you said we're gonna fuck you up. Yeah, they obeyed that. Mm-hmm. How long were you there since since the the beginning of the destruction of all the stuff? Okay, after, how long after? So they. <laughs> It was really fucking crazy because that was the worst part was trying to get out of there because the agreement with the Taliban to, like, be cool lasted until August 30th. Um, and then what, August 31st or September 1st? They would have to, they would have to like, we all had to be out of there by August 31st or else. It's like moving out of a house. Yeah. We literally had to be out of there by August 31st. Or and what? I think that was... The only I, I think they would have struck some some other deal, but that was the time. You guys would fuck the Taliban up. Absolutely, but there wasn't very many of us left. So we were Jesus trying to just Christ. We were trying to get a ride to get out of there on one of the C seventeens that okay. we'd come in in. Okay. The problem was all of those C seventeens were being used to transport people. Yeah. There weren't any that they were just like, oh, we got one free over here. We can h- let you hop in. That wasn't the case. Where'd you get the gas? They got gassed up at a different deployment location in um, Qatar. <sighs> so they would fly from Qatar back gotcha. and forth to Afghanistan. Gotcha. So we ended up catching a ride. Dude, we got out of there. Was it? Were you nervous for a minute that you weren't going to get out? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we got out of there, and uh, they to leave, we were all in all full armor, helmet, body armor, everything. There were no seats set up. We left, we left on a C-130, actually. 
Okay. There were no seats set up on this 130. They had us sitting four wide, and they had a cargo strap over all four of us and just, like, tied us down, essentially. Yeah. And so um, we left, and then the next day they bombed that gate, and uh, that killed all those people the very next day after we left. Oh, fuck, that's right. Yeah. No, this is crazy. Wait. Wait. Who? The Taliban? Yeah. But they say it was the Taliban, but it it was also speculated it was Al-Qaeda. Because now, once the Taliban took power, Al-Qaeda saw that and said, okay, now it's going to be a power struggle. So Afghanistan is probably going to d- d- devolve into massive civil war in the next few years. Just because they're warring. They're literally warlords, you know, trying to run the government. Hold on. So you, you leave. Mm-hmm. And then Al-Qaeda... Mm-hmm. Bombs the airport. Yeah, with what? Like a missile? Uh, no, I think a car bomb. And how many people died? Uh, truthfully, I can't remember. I know like five U.S. military died. Uh, and so we leave and we go to Qatar, and we are waiting on a flight. We're trying to get in, get out of there any way possible. You know, get back home any way we can. So we're waiting in Qatar. For a ride to somewhere else. It's 115 degrees in Qatar at midnight. And we are, everyone is in tents. And we are, not just us, all the Afghan refugees. We're just in a tent with all these Afghan refugees. Uh-huh. And uh, this is, COVID's still going on. You know what I mean? So this is last last July. Jesus so we're like, fuck, man. <laughs> like It is. Was a rough time, and so we're sitting out there for. You didn't catch a variant. No, yeah, we sat out there for fourteen hours, um, just waiting on a ride somewhere else, and we finally. And you're getting on the C one thirty with all those guys too. Yeah, we finally get back on the C one thirty to figure out where we can go, and we end up going to Jordan. So we're in Jordan, and then when Jordan is your safe place. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I was like, thank God we're going to Jordan. <laughs> I mean, God, that's crazy. <laughs> so we go to Jordan, and uh, we're there. <laughs> and the shitty part, no, th- sorry, before Jordan, we're in Qatar, right? And uh, they, they finally get us a place to stay. So we're in Qatar for a few days. And uh, while we're there, um, they don't know. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the, like, I, I'm very... Uh, I'm very like, ah, who cares? COVID, not a big deal. But this was a very like made me pissed off. They're like, all right, we don't know if you guys are infected or not. So I know you just got back from like the worst shit you've ever seen in your life, but you're going to have to be quarantined for <laughs> the entire time you're here. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? In dude? Jordan? No, in Qatar. So okay. it's, it's as hot as the surface of the goddamn sun out there. And we where are do they in- put you? In the very, very far back of the base, in these trailers, um, that just have like six bunk beds in a room, and so we're all staying in there and have to walk to go eat or anything. Have to walk like a mile and a half. Oh my god! And it's 120 degrees in the daytime. So we all just switched our schedules to where we just existed at night. We just became nocturnal. But it's still like 100 degrees at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So finally, you had to really walk a mile and a half. Yeah. So finally, they don't have any vehicles. No, and we couldn't use any of them because we were 
quarantine. You're quarantined. So how long did you have to quarantine? For like the whole five days we were there. And so then we get a flight from Qatar to Jordan. And we're in Jordan for a week just working out how we're going to get home. And finally, we all end up loading up and going back home. But, uh, yeah, got back home in, I think, uh, late September. So you left today. Yep. And you were there. For two and a half months. Yeah. Dude, wait, so it's like you're you you got out and the next day they killed all those people. Yeah. I mean clearly that has made you think. Oh, for sure, man. And uh it was one of those things, dude, you get back and you get back to the United States and you know, everyone, you just, everyone's just in a bar, you know, just hanging out and drinking and like acting like nothing's going on. You know, it's such a weird readjustment. I wasn't even over there that long, you know, wasn't even there that long. And it, it took such a readjustment to be like, okay, to go from like, hey, um, everyone's like, oh, we're so glad you're back. You know, you can go back to your normal life. And I'm like, I'm still coming down from the fact that like my life is not in danger. You know, I'm still trying to get used to the fact that my life is not in danger. Like every single day when I wake up right now, um, you're thinking of a baby you grabbed over a fence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, okay, well I'm back everyone. Let's party. You know, let's do this whole thing. Hey, you know, everyone wanted to have like a welcome home party type thing. And I had to stop. I had to stop doing comedy for like two months just because I wasn't in the right headspace. You know, um, I'm not surprised. Dude. They wanted you to do a show over there, right? Yeah, yeah, dude. No joke. They wanted me to do. They're like, "Hey, we've been through a lot, man. Hey, why don't you do some stand up for us while we're while we're over here? You know, we're, this is when we were in Jordan, waiting to go back home. I'm like, dude, I got to be honest with you. And this was you know, the highest enlisted person we had with us. He's like, yeah, you should do a show for everybody. I was like, I do not feel funny right now. Yeah. Like nothing. Like I couldn't even tell any jokes with conviction right now. I was like, I would just be like reading them from a script essentially. Dude, wait, did you know any military guys who died? Uh, no, I didn't know any of them, but, um, it was, it was one of those things where you're all in a really shitty position together. Mm-hmm. So you you do have a sense of like kinship with everyone, hundred percent, who's part of that, right? Then you know, dude, it's so crazy because I can't even. Oh God, it's so <sighs> like I've never been in the military, but like I've done the USO's thing. I've done different tours and bases. Yeah. I've worked with a lot of different military people. Yeah. And this is the babiest level, but it's like, I'm like doing like, if I did a show Mm -hmm. and I do an hour. Yeah. And people want to hang out. I'm like, I need to decompress. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you just gave everything for that. Yes. Yeah. That's just a show. Yeah. Or if I did a movie for like five weeks and I had experience, these are all beyond first 
world problems. Yeah, but it's, but it's the same concept. Well, the concept is the yeah. headspace of being different. Yeah. Now, when I was over there, the, what you're saying is, one of the things that I have footage of it is, I slept in Saddam's palace. Yeah, dude, I have, I can't remember who was showing me the picture of uh, Ralphie May in Saddam's pool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so <laughs> it's such a funny picture. Yeah. This is Ralphie May in the, in the Iraqi in Saddam Hussein's palace. Well, and that was actually taken before he felt. Yeah. Yeah. He got booked for a special. He loved, he loved Ralphie May. Uh-huh. Saddam. He, the thing is, is that I like the Saddam had all these palaces. Yeah. And every night I was told that they had to have a meal waiting like for 40 people because you never know when it would show up. Yeah. And if you didn't do it, the, like the whole staff would be killed. Mm-hmm. And he, his sons had a palace up there and, and we had taken it over. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to fuck you up because you know all this already, but there was an elevator and the, the horrors that were committed on this elevator and to this day, I took a picture, and it's hands, bloody, that left it on, like, a brass. It's like, blood doesn't get out of, like, brass. Yeah. And our guys, no matter what they did, they couldn't get out. And it's just, like, people f- being taken to their death. Yeah. It's, like, torture. Yeah. The worst prostitutes, like, innocent prostitutes and... Oh, you know, people, whatever, just, and the shit that they told me. And I'm like, and I slept there, dude. Yeah. I slept there with the military like two nights and it was like, you could feel the fucking energy. Yeah, man. And our guys were like, fuck this motherfucker. We took this shit and we'll, they set up calm there and it was like, you, you could say whatever you want. Like, I don't know enough, but I know what I saw. Yeah. And whatever, no weapons of mass destruction and all this stuff, I don't know enough. And I know that there's a lot of stuff, and I'm going to go back to Afghanistan, that isn't war-related. There's financial stuff. Yeah. But there is fucking evil being done. Yeah. And, you know, I think... And so the fact that our we don't enable the Taliban... We don't enable Saddam. Maybe we went over there with wrong reasons or something, mm-hmm. but for everything I was told, this guy was fucking Satan. Yeah, and there, like you said, that energy, like you could feel it Ooh. after after the Taliban took over Kabul, and there was just those, you know, there was just this feeling of everyone had just kind of like given up and was running for their life. It was like everything was life or death to those people at that point. Like, you could feel the desperation literally coming off of them. But So, wait, it's so crazy because, and that's why com- comedy literally is a gauze pad. It, yeah. Like, I would I would do it, and, and it, I could see how you could never do it at that moment. Yeah. And it was hard for me to do it, but I actually did it because they wanted it so bad. Yeah. And I wasn't in the shit. I was next to them in the shit, but I yeah. wasn't responsible of the shit. Right. And I can always get the fuck out after eight days. Mm-hmm. So... You guys are there. Where's the Taliban at 
now. The Taliban and what's the other company? Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda. Company. The company. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Al-Qaeda International. <laughs> I'm so out of it. The, they right now, so basically it's lawlessness in Afghanistan. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, they have some semblance of government and like, you know. But who? They put them there? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I think from what I, from what I understand, the UN is kind of working with them and like trying to make things happen. But the day they, uh, the day that they went to power, like women weren't allowed to go to school anymore. Like there was, you know, there was. Are they murdering people every day? I don't know. That's the thing. You can't, know. no one can get in there to find out. Okay. Let me ask you some questions. So Afghanistan, poppy fields. Yeah. True. I don't know. That was before my time. Your opinion? My opinion is uh, it's more complicated than uh, like, oh, we're taking these poppy, these poppy flowers and making heroin with them. My opinion is those were a a commodity over there mm-hmm. used by the different because you got to understand Iraq, Afghanistan, a lot of those Middle Eastern countries. The lines for them were drawn by the U.S., France, England. Like, we didn't, those countries got, our countries got together and just drew those lines arbitrarily. So there are so many different warring factions and different ethnic groups that are always, that have historically been at each other's throat for thousands of years. So if you have any commodity that is on one group's land, the other one is going to try and come get it. And so to prevent, I think to prevent, to maintain a little bit of peace, we were guarding those poppy fields to make sure none of the Afghans came and got them or exploited it, you know, and used it for drug sales. Okay. But do I think that, uh, (laughs) some, do I think that that's a hundred percent the truth? No. How are you saying this and you're still enlisted? Uh, no one watches YouTube. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you heard about my subscriber count? <laughs> so wait, what about this? No, it, it, it's just, these are just my opinions. These are. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you hear this? That Afghan has the most probably minerals, richest soil in the planet. I have heard that. Um, and there's a trillion dollars. So you know about astro asteroid farming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a ver- Afghan Afghanistan is kind of Earth's version of that. Like there's yes. that, and apparently we can't do it, or nobody can because they'll just start shooting everybody. Yeah, and uh, I think that's the only thing that is keeping that area from being just a massive gold rush. Because if you look at if you it, look is, at, it's it, it's it's yeah, it is a gold rush. Yeah, and but no one can get over there to mine. Right, that's what I'm saying. The only thing that's keeping it from being but why doesn't the Taliban do it? They don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the infrastructure. But whenever you got to think, whenever ISIS was in power, whenever ISIS was running things, they were driving around in brand new Toyota Tacomas. Yeah, or Hiluxes is what they call them over there. But they're driving brand new Toyotas. They were they owned oil fields. Yeah. So, give the Taliban long enough, and uh, that might happen. They'll but, figure it out. Yeah, because you got to think ISIS was backed by Saudi money. Um, not officially, but... Uh, so, JoJo goes over mm-hmm. last week to Saudi Arabia. 
He means MBS. Yeah. I think he said something about Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah, he's not gonna. They're not gonna poke the bear on that. They act. The press acted like they did. Yeah, and then the guy didn't even answer. Yeah, they're not. Like I said, he probably briefed him beforehand. He's like, "Hey, I gotta ask you this just to make it myself look good." You think so, dude? Every president, I think since nine eleven, every president. This is why the whole and not to get political or anything, but this is why the whole this is why the whole Democrat Republican thing is bullshit. Thank you, because. Since 9-11, every single president, no matter what party, has gone over there and kowtowed to the Saudis and just, like, bowed down to them or rubbed their magic orb or whatever the fuck they have over there. They they will do whatever for the Saudis, and they are literally over there committing atrocities. And you, you got to be like, oh, well, we can't. We can't upset the Saudis. Can't upset the Israelis. You, like, you have to. They, there's all these strategic allies that we have in the Middle East, and no matter what they do— you can't you can't say anything no, about they're, it. They're, they're, they're human rights. They say human rights violations. No, they're committing fucking evil atrocities. Yeah. And you're you're saying whether any party of our government yeah. is going over there and licking their ass. Yeah. Now is that for oil? Yeah, of course it's for oil. And it's there. You why isn't that said everywhere? Uh, because people like. Oil leads to Exxon, which leads to GE. You know what I mean? Like, which but that needs the, to be said that yeah. Democrats and Republicans, whatever they are, fucking kisses the Saudis' ass. Yeah, and you know our government was supplying arms to the Saudis so that they could literally. No one really talks about the fucking the literal Holocaust genocide that's going on in Yemen and has been for the past like. Seven-ish years, and for up until la two Februarys ago, yeah, up until two years ago in February, we were supplying them weapons to do that. They were just systematically bombing Yemen. There is the there is a comeback of I want to say, God, I can't remember what disease. Uh, polio, polio is yeah, coming yeah, polio, back polio. in Yemen because they can't get vaccines over there. <sighs> they won't let those people get polio vaccines. And we have all that blood on our hands. Yeah. And they are the Saudis are doing a blockade on Yemen and there's a literal genocide happening there. People are starving to death. No one talks about it. Yeah. You know what we talk about? Pronouns. Pronouns. <laughs> we talk I mean, like, listen, everything has its place and place for everything, but it's like like I said. There's the world that exists, and then there's White Claw. Right, and then, but I think there's also the whole um, the whole thing of once a society becomes more automated and advanced, we have it, it inherently becomes more liberal because we have time to sit and consider these things. We have time to we have free time on our hand to be like, well, maybe we do. You know, we we develop this. Uh, this freedom of thought where our thoughts aren't completely taken up with work all the time because things are more automated thing. We are wealthy. Like that's why do you think, you know, civil rights didn't happen until the 1960s whenever everything, like everything started picking up after the, after world war two, after mm-hmm. world war two, our economy boomed, right? Our economy boomed and people were getting more and more wealthy and had time 
to be like, hey, wait a minute. It's kind of fucked up we don't let black people drink out of the same water fountain we do. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's just, it's all a product of, like, economics. Yeah, if, and people, that, if people weren't busy doing basic shit right. to, like, buy the shoes and then lace the shoes or right. whatever. Like, you, it's a bad example. But if you can get your groceries delivered instead of going to fucking shop yeah. for them, you have more time to think of deeper issues. Yeah, you have more time to consider things and people can bring up ideas and especially in the internet age, you know, people can bring up ideas, but that's here, you know. Whenever you you can't transpose that onto a different culture that doesn't have those same luxuries. They're not going to have time to consider all that. Like I don't know if you saw this video, but there was a video of this guy going to this tribe in Africa and trying to tell them that they shouldn't have 14-year-old wives. And it's like, okay, man, yeah, you're right, but we know that Mm -hmm. because we're an advanced society who has had time to sit and consider these things. Like, hey, maybe a 14-year-old can't consent and, you know, think about that. And for them, they're so focused on, like, survival every day Mm -hmm. that they're like, oh, well, this is just the way we've always done things. They don't have that uh they haven't had that time to consider like well maybe the way we've always done things isn't correct yeah we have enough time to have evolution of thought right yeah of the next level of stuff and when you're so consumed with where's my next meal coming from yeah you don't you don't consider that type of stuff yeah it's totally it let me ask you this this is a dumb question but it and then i'll get more specific do you believe in america Yes, I am. <laughs> Here's the thing. I am like probably one of the most left leaning military people you'll ever meet. But I am deeply patriotic in the fact that I want this to work so badly. You know what I mean? This whole American experiment thing. And not to be like wax eloquent, like I'm on a Ken Burns documentary or some shit. But I want this whole American experiment to work, you know, because I do see the potential in what we could become. And I think, as I said, with more automation and with more um, technological advancement, I think we're going to come to a place where either things are going to split completely apart or we're all just going to kind of figure it out and be like, all right, you do you, we'll do us, you know, everyone just get along. Oh, oh no, it's it's the first part. Yeah, it's a tech... Technocracy, dude. Yeah, it's not. It's Blade Runner's coming. Yeah, but I think I think the the I would you just drive the streets, just drive down L.A. Oh, for sure. You here? Here's what you see: boarded up, mm-hmm. homeless, or a brand new high rise. Yeah, and there's no middle ground. That that gap is going to continue to atten- intensify until we do something about it. But in a capitalist society such as ours. You kind of we we reward those people who do say, hey, instead of helping these people, let's build a high rise. You know what I mean? Like that's the that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, but I mean, like I want to go back to this, but America is the best. Absolutely. The problem is everybody has a voice. Yeah. And the problem is a lot of people shouldn't. 
canceled because I mean, like, in a way, what I mean by that is people don't really have an informed voice. Yeah, there's a lot of people just shouting, and it's white noise. Yeah, and like I'm gonna do a pod about this, but there literally was an argument on Twitter yesterday. Did you see which one? The guy goes into the mall, mm-hmm. and he starts shooting up the food court. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? Kills three people, and it was reported that a good Samaritan mm-hmm. shot him. Yeah. And people on Twitter are literally going, I don't know if I would consider that a good Samaritan. A good yeah. Samaritan was <laughs> the first one, and they go and they break down with good People are arguing. Yeah. Really? Do you think the fucking 30 kids in Texas wouldn't have mind heading that guy? Yeah, I think he would have done better than the cops, you know? But do you understand? The priorities of our fucking culture are destroyed. Yeah. And They're destroyed. That guy's a fucking hero. Yeah. Panda Express, Chick-fil-A, for life. Never. And people are like, well, he was... he." He shot a he shot him, but it wasn't good that he had a gun. Like people are insane, dude. Yeah, and it could have been thirty dead people. It could have been, and you, that's the thing. It's that's lot where of, we're at. A lot of people don't understand the like the no. They, they have they, no fucking idea, bro. Right. This is why I'm sitting here talking to you. You're so calm. You're so peaceful. I'm looking. How much PTSD does he have? <laughs> I know that you've seen way more than you told me. I can only imagine. And you're you're chill, you know. I know you're not high. Yeah. And I'm like, it's it's crazy how you are and what you've seen. And and what's crazier is what you came back. There's so much we can go over, and I don't want to fucking fuck the conversation. But you gotta decompress. Yeah. And people want to be like, hey, Grant, you want to go to Nacho Daddy? Yeah. They're like, hey, Garrett, let's go. Let's go. I got Garrett. Fuck. No, that's okay. Hey, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they like you. You're and you're you're fucking saw hell. Yeah, I mean it's born on the Fourth of July, but it's not a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that 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 was the hardest part was just like getting back in the groove of being a normal person again. I mean, it's, it's, some people it never happens. Yeah, and that's 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 why. Uh, Would you say you have a lot of PTSD? Not a lot. Um, I've been doing therapy for you know months now since since I got back just about just to try and combat that but it still does affect me in in certain way like when I first got back and wasn't in there I thought I was fine and then I just uh I wasn't you know I, it took me like real having like a real wake up call to be like okay I'm not fine yeah man you know dude I can't even imagine yeah I I I I'm not old enough but you know, the, the generation above me was Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And uh, my buddy's dad would just tell us stories. Yeah. And the craziest wasn't like he was would tell us shit because he had to get it out. Yeah. I mean. And I think that with the availability and the encouragement of service members going to seek mental health care, mm-hmm. uh, I think that has changed so much oh, since the Vietnam era. Um like we are, we are highly encouraged. Like, there's a whole thing now. Um, there are three separate channels you can go through for mental health issues in the in the Air Force, at least. Where um, four actually, there are four separate channels you can go through where they're like, "Hey, 
they do a great job of being like, if you have an issue, as long as you are not going to hurt yourself or anyone else, this will not affect your career. Just talk to someone, you know, just talk to somebody because we don't want it to affect your career. So as long as you're talking to somebody and no matter what you say, as long as you're not threatening to kill yourself or others, like it's going to be, you're not, you're not going to face any reprimand. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wait, I don't want to keep it too long because I know I've been here for it. Do you think that there's more gun violence than ever? Or do you think that we get more news than ever? That might sound ignorant. No, it's we do, not ignorant. We do see everything. Yeah, it's not ignorant. I think there, I think it's a little bit of both, okay? And also, I also think that there is a... Uh, a very deep mental health problem in this country. Mm -hmm. But also, even more than that, I think there is a very deep problem of isolation in this country. Mm -hmm. People get... they Like, these school shooter kids, they're always loners. They're always kids who spend all day on the computer. Like, their only source of joy or entertainment or anything like that is, you know, being online and they don't they don't interact with any real people like i don't know if you ever seen the video it's really fucking kind of creepy but it's the uh sandy hook shooter and it's like two weeks before the shooting and he's just tearing it up on dance dance revolution at the movie theater <laughs> you ever seen that video <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you can tell he spent a lot of time playing dance dance revolution and it's, yeah. it's someone you know it's people like that who are just incredibly isolated so alone that they don't have anyone in their life whenever like, cause if, if all of us were hanging out and you were like, man, you know, uh, like with the pulse nightclub shooting, it was a gay club that got shot up in Orlando. Yeah. If we we're all just hanging out and you were like, man, I wish I could just go kill a bunch of gay people. We were like, Hey man, no, that's, that's not a good idea. We had they no don't sounding have, board. They have, yeah, they have, they have nothing there to be like, you shouldn't do this. Mm -hmm. Like, Stop being weird. <laughs> like, be cool, man. Like, just chill. The loner aspect. Do you believe in the right to carry a gun? Yes. Second Amendment. Yeah, I believe in that. But I also believe that um, people should use common sense with it. Mm -hmm. I don't think... I think open carry is very dumb. Um, I think concealed carry is the way to go. Mm -hmm. um, I think open carry is like, all right, well, now you're just making everyone in this donut shop feel uncomfortable. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, there was a guy who concealed carried to the, the comedy club the other night <laughs> at at Wise Guys. And we're like, man, what do you think is going to pop off of this comedy club? Like, he told you? No, I like, I saw it in his, in his, but it was concealed. Yeah. I can see it. see it. Yeah. yeah, but I was just, I was just thinking, like, man, what do you think is going to pop off of this comedy club? But I get it. It's and downtown. It was legal. It's legal. It's downtown Vegas. Like I understand. It's art district, but open. You see people open carry, and they're just walking around with a pistol on their hip in Walmart. And it's like, dude, yeah, I don't like that because I know what my mental state is. I don't know what yours is carrying yeah. that thing around. You know, but we don't have that here in L.A. Yeah, that's not a thing in L.A. That's that's barely a thing in Vegas, but where I'm from in Arkansas, open carry. Oh, yeah. What about Arizona? Arizona's open carry, too, I believe. Because I've never seen anybody with a gun, but I'm sure they've been 
Maybe no, it has to be open. You're right. It's not yeah, dude. That's that's always my worry. Is I know, like I could carry, and I would feel completely confident in myself, and my yeah. mental state, and everything like that. I don't feel confident. I always say that I think I truly believe that like ninety five percent of gun owners are like good normal people who just, especially like guys who conceal carry. I think they're good normal people who are just prepared for the worst you know mm-hmm. but i also think there's that five percent who want an excuse mm-hmm. you know? i totally agree i think there's that five percent who just want an excuse um i don't know if you've ever had conversations with people where they're just like say some wild shit and uh you know it's like oh you can get a concealed carry too you know <laughs> yeah like i like i said i'm all for the second amendment all for gun rights but i just think there is too high of a percentage of people who uh, see themselves as the hero in an action movie. And, uh, dude, you, what about crime? Do you, do you feel that crime is really worse than it's been? Yes. Do I you think, think we're too soft on it? No, I don't think we're too soft on it, but I also think that like, it's getting to a point where cities like LA are going to become unlivable. Dude. It's going to become unlivable. Dude, you said that with such conviction, and I'm right there with you, bro. Yeah, do you really believe that? Yeah, I think I think <sighs> the I think it's going to turn into like uh, Escape from New York. You know what dude. I mean? Like, dude, I so agree with you. At a certain point, all of us who can are going to have, and it's going to suck. It's going to. How can they, dude? Look up videos later of Kensington. Yeah, outside of Philly, where I'm from. Yeah, it literally looks like. Walking Dead. Did you see that video of someone, someone on Skid Row getting into a car wreck and then all those people like pulling him out of the car and like taking a shit? And No. Yeah. Dude. No, but I do know that it feels weirder than it's ever felt in these streets. And I check in with you. So I'm checking in with you, mm-hmm. checking with Kyle. I check in with other people and they're all like, yeah, man. Yeah, man. And my buddy who grew up is an 818er for life. He's yeah. a Sherman Oaks kid. And he's like, yeah, dude, I don't like it. So what I'm saying is, who the fuck's going to live here then? I don't know. And who the fuck is going to live here? I think TikTokers? Yeah. I mean, it has to be something like that. Like, you have to have a TikTokers reason. TikTokers and fucking meth. Dude, I was in Bakersfield last week and I felt safer. Yeah. Like, it's weird. People are on the streets, but I don't feel threatened because like i said i look weird enough like i'm yeah. bearded enough i kind of blend in but what the fuck and i have enough of a don't fuck with that guy look to yeah like, and i'm yeah and i'm tall yeah or no hopefully someone will recognize me but what you i don't know who's gonna live here then like because they're building more and but i agree with you yeah this was gonna, the jewel of america yeah yeah this was the jewel of america and it's not even like and you're a liberal yeah, I, I'm. It's not even like a. Wow. It's not even like uh, this has been going on forever. It feels like it's brand new. It feels different, bro. Yeah. I feel like they're they're it's it's an orchestrated. I feel like the nine eighty eight at the CVS mm-hmm. can steal up to that. Every day I see a new video of these fucking free smashing grabs. Uh, it's just uh, it's you know I can't ask somebody making twelve bucks an hour to jump in and play the hero yeah, and no yeah. sure day, but it just feels like the prosecutions. 
I don't know. It's, but it's, also, it's a deeper conversation. Yeah, I really think, like I said, I think the mental health in this country is really falling apart, and that is a massive contributor to it. And it's more than that. I'm going to do a video about it. Violence is crazier. Yeah. People are more violent. Mm-hmm. And they get on, like Knott's Berry Farm, bro. Yeah. That's insane. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people, I don't know, I think they've lost it. Yeah, it, it, it's a collective losing it, and I think Knott's Berry Farms was TikTokers too. Yeah, it was, like it was. TikTokers trying to go viral. It was like either into it was. Like, it was let's parse. do like twelve fist fights at Knott's Berry Farms in the same day. Oh my god! I heard that, but I also heard it was gangs. I heard it was a mix. Well, also, I mean, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this, Kyle, but Vegas schools are just like insane. There's there's fights every day. Like Vegas schools, there they have to like. Kids are getting arrested in school every single day. Dude, for- when I when I was in high school, I talked to this uh this like Clark County like school police officer. Yeah. And he was like, Yeah, we're not that worried about guns or knives anymore. We're we're more worried about grenades. Yeah. Like pipe bombs. Yeah. And I was like, Oh. Gotcha. Dude. And that was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. I- Let me tell you something. I used to take the subway all the time. I take the subway here. I haven't taken it in a few years. It was the cleanest. I don't know if I would like to take the subway regularly in New York now. Yeah. But I I go to this 7-Eleven for Slurpee Day. Mm-hmm. I love Slurpee Day. Yeah. Who doesn't? It's a joy. Mm-hmm. That night, I find out that guy was fucking, no, he was killing all those people. No, it wasn't here, but it was in Ontario, about 30 miles away. Yeah. I never think of going in a 7-Eleven and having that. It's funny because years ago, not to drop a name, Vivica Fox, she's like, I'm trying to do the impression, but she's like, you ain't ever going to catch my ass at an ATM. I don't know if I can do the right impression. You ain't ever going to catch my ass at an Arco past 11.59. And she was, and she's like, she was, she was like, you'll never see, never go to ATMs at night, all this shit. And I was like, why? And she's like, I'm a woman, dude. Like, yeah. And I didn't think of it. I'm like, that, that was like my white male. That was just like my, I don't know, my male privilege. Yeah. Like, I don't think like that. Right. Yeah. So that, she said that. But now I'm like, Vivica was like early to it. Cause I'm like, I would never think weird about going in, and that's 7 Eleven across the street. It ain't exactly an Encino 7-Eleven. Yeah. But, like, I I literally go, I get some shit, and I go, someone could come in here. Where would I hide if they started shooting? Yeah. And the guy in the bodega fucking got too much in that guy's grill. You saw that. Yeah. And that dude went so quick. And I'm like, dude, the amount of violence in this country is sick. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable. People are way too quick to violence. Way and, too quick. Yeah. And it, it, it is scary. I've like, got my own theories on it. But. What do you think? Uh, one, I mean, tell me when I'm old. Okay. I'm I'm part of the problem. Like, if I make violent movies, if I, if you see me in movies with guns, I'm funny with them. Yeah. I think people can get indoctrinated yeah. subliminally to like guns are cool. That's number one. Number two, video games. I'm not saying you shouldn't play them, but again, there's a difference between people who understand it's a video game and then you do it enough, you fucking feel like... Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Wellbutrin, all the different drugs, the kids are Adderall, mm-hmm. um, TikTok, like the ability to go viral, the desperation for fame, and just a complete insensitivity. Yeah, there's a there's a an empathy button missing, and I also this is gonna say you can judge me, dude. MK Ultra is a different animal. Yeah. But that was real, mm-hmm. and I think that could have levels of it with weird shit because I think there's hypnotizing forces in our different things we have, whether it's looking at your phone all day, whatever. Yeah. And I also think 5G ain't exactly perfect. Well, I always thought Malibu's most wanted was MK Ultra. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what we teach you is that when you go up on your private beach, you make sure that you ain't going to step on no na- uh, snails. I don't know fuck. The government, exactly. the government wants me to make love to these honeys. Yeah. <laughs> I indoctrinated you for booty. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Trying to get a mochaccino. Uh, y'all ever heard Operation Paperclip? There's <laughs> <laughs> just a guy in a suit holding, a, yeah. holding an open book with the activation codes. And yeah. he's, like, he's like, chapstick, yeah. chapstick, <laughs> Ford Maverick. And just, your eyes yeah. just dilate. <laughs> yeah. It's hard out here in Kabul. <laughs> Kabizzle. Uh, we ain't got no gas. Yeah. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Dude, I could talk to you for hours, man. Yeah. I'm fucking fry. You got to come back. Yeah, for sure. We'll do it. We'll it's do it for sure. Fucking fascinating, dude. Yeah. I appreciate your fucking time. Yeah, brother. Dude. I appreciate you. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you for bringing him. And uh, work hit him with your socials, dude. Oh, I'm on uh, at G Hall Comedy on Instagram, Twitter, the whole deal. Uh, also, follow Funday Comedy on Instagram. That's where you'll see all the shows we got in Vegas. Um, come check one out. You know, we got everything from uh, open mic showcases. We got a game night we do. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, so come out to a show. And also, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna plug some dates if that's alright. Plug right. a date. Um, September 16th and 17th, I'll be at Looney's Comedy Club in Colorado yeah, Springs. Yeah, that's good. Dude. Yeah. Uh, oh, before that, August 25th through 28th, I'll be at the Portland Maine Comedy Festival. Damn. And then September 30th through through October 2nd, I'll be at the Four Corners Comedy Festival in Durango, Colorado. Hell yeah! So come out if you're in any of those areas. Come out. No open carry. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> Just come out and bring a corn dog. Yeah. Feed me a corn dog on stage. <laughs> Dude, thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. Be safe, everybody. Bye. Be good to each other. Peace. <laughs>